Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode. Previously, the party had went in search of Cass and the automaton. Having only recovered a few body parts and a hint to their next destination, a funeral was swiftly executed and breakfast was made. They departed for the Van Corfer estate in search of answers. Will they find any this week, or just finish their level up? Find out this episode here at Good Job Adventures. So over, these these are going to take course over the uh, the two plus the two weeks that you guys are flying. Uh, so we're going to start with um, we're going to start with Elegos. All right. Am I going to have another helm dream? Uh, no, we're actually going to be doing it a little bit different this time. So after a few uh, the first two days of flying, uh, Larry decides that it is time for him to make his uh, one of his first errands, his first pit stop. Uh, and he descends the bar uh, next to a large, uh, a large uh, forest, and he opens up the door and he says, "We just gotta wait here for a few minutes. I'm picking somebody up so I can drop him off later. Hope nobody minds." Uh, from what I can tell, in the bar right now, currently everybody's just kind of sitting around, uh, just inside the main bar area, uh, doing their various things that they will be doing for the week. Uh, but you all just seem to be in the room at this moment. I've been. I'm probably still in my room. All right, you're you're still in your room then, uh, but right now just everybody everybody but Owl uh, is in the main room. So from from the woods, uh, and he, uh, a man uh, emerges and then heads towards the bar, uh, almost expecting Larry to be here at this time. This large man, uh, one would call an Adonis, uh, with blonde hair, uh, gold, golden blonde hair, stands in the doorway. A garish red headband around his head shines like a halo. He brushes off his equally bright red scarf to expose a golden chainmail that covers his sculpted body. Strapped across his back, you can see a massive great axe, polished to perfection, glinting in the morning light. His eyes shine as if someone took the gleam of a gold coin, captured that moment, and placed them in his sockets. And he enters into the bar with a wide smile. Larry, my good friend, how are you? Thanks for picking me up, old chum. And then Larry uh, Is this Zeb Brandigan? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've stolen his voice. SpongeBob. Uh, Bob. <laughs> so he, uh, Larry kind of just nods to him. He's like, no problem. It's like, I've had quite a few rough days over there in the Netherwoods. I needed a drink to relax. You know, there's nothing like a good pub, but one that picks you up, now that's something special. And he glances over the party, uh, just looking over the patrons in the bar, and he said, speaking of something special... And then Elagos, he kind of looks at your golden armor that you're wearing. Uh, he says, you've got an interesting crowd here, Larry. Pray tell, who are these gentlemen? Uh, and then Larry kind of looks over at you guys. He's like, uh, they're just a couple of bar patrons that I'm helping out, uh, carrying them across uh, Tofek. A couple of usuals. <laughs> and then uh, he kind of just like looks over you guys, and he's like, he walks up to, straight up to you, Elagos, first. And he's like, my name is Retzlis Mycenosh. Nice to meet you. Uh, uh, Elagos, likewise. I like your armor, Elagos, and who is this foiree of which you're with here? Um, 
we're uh, we're traveling with Larry to uh, what was the name of the place again? Van Corfer Gala thing. That thing. Oh, you're heading to Van Corfer's. Well, I'm afraid I won't be in attendance this year, but I'm tell give him my warm regards. Uh, so he kind of just like peers around the bar, just looking at a breath weaver in his onesie. Uh, he looks at a uh, Wilhelm inside of his crafted armor. Uh, and he just really, he's really just focusing on Yuzu. He's like, uh, so Elagos, your, uh, your taste in armor kind of tipped me off to seeing that you seem to be the, uh, the star of the show here. Is that right? I wouldn't use those words. Exactly. Fair enough. Are you, uh, are you some sort of... Cut out. Yeah, you keep cutting are out. You... All right, let me leave the Discord and then come. <laughs> he walks out of the bar and walks back in. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm back. So, why why have you why are all of you uh, headed over to uh, to, to uh, Mr. Van Corfer's uh, estate? Are, are you all some sort of adventures? Are you heroes, it's craftsmen? A, it's kind of a personal matter, if you don't mind. Oh, I see. I I I, I understand. Um. So he kind of just like sits near the bar and he's like, "So Larry, I'll I'll have a I'll have a usual." Um, and Larry heads over to the bar and starts making him a drink. So he seems kind of a uh, kind of focused in on you, Elagos. And am I being hit on? I feel like I'm being hit on. You're not necessarily being hit on, but you seem to have the same type of fashion sense of of this man and just like the gold type of armor. And then he um he kind of feels like you're the only one worth striking up a conversation with at the moment. And he says, "So um." Are you some sort of new aspiring adventurer? Uh, if so, you're doing a good job being here at Larry's, only the best shop here. Didn't exactly come here by choice, but uh, I guess you could say I'm glad I ended up here. Okay. Um, well, let's see here. I assume you're, uh, you're gold standard, right? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. All right. Well, that's definitely good to hear. If you weren't, I mean, I guess you wouldn't be here now then, would you? <laughs> but, uh... <clears throat> To uh to follow on with my uh with my ramblings, you you seem to uh you seem to be dressed as some sort of knight, a fighter, I presume. Uh yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Okay then, Larry, how good does this uh how good does this man fight? Is he uh is he up to snuff? And then Larry kind of just la- glances at Retzel and he's like, uh uh yeah he's great he's great um. One of the best I've seen, for sure. And he kind of just makes this, like, he kind of rolls his eyes. Glad to know you always got my back, Larry. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> it's it's very hard to compare the two of you. Uh, and I feel like he's tra- going to do the thing again. Um, as he kind of just makes the, uh, as he starts making the usual. Uh, and then you see this, uh, this gentleman, he's like, Larry, what thing are you talking about? And then uh, Larry responds, he's like, you're going to tell him that he's a good adventurer. And that you're the best, and then you're gonna challenge him to a fight, and it's gonna be stupid, and I'm gonna have to watch it. <laughs> and then he says, "That's nonsense." But what do you think, Elagos? Uh, I'm gonna have to pass. Ah, oh, well, that's no fun. Look, man, I I appreciate you want to like get to know me, but I'm I'm hot off the heels of another challenge that didn't go so great in like the worst possible way and i'm not exactly itching for a retry well what happened maybe then you can uh, tell your story here to good old uh to good old retzela and see see exactly how how a pro would do it listen buddy 
You're starting to overstay your welcome, all right? Oh, yeah. Vince sweating right now. Is his plot hook not landing? <laughs> then what are you going to do about it? Uh, well, I'm going to get up and move, I guess. <laughs> so he, he drinks his usual, and then um, he's just going to sit down at the bar. So you, you've moved away uh, from the very garish and very annoying Retzless Myasinoge. Uh At this point, he kind of just asks Larry. He's like, well, Larry... Since I am a little bored and I'm not going to get anything out of it, can I go down to your training room? I want to see if I can uh, bust out some moves now while I've still got the energy. Uh, and then you see Larry walks over to the other side of the bar, kicks open a hatch on the ground, and he says, Down you go! Down the hatch. <laughs> uh, and then you see he pops downstairs. And as Larry covers back over the hatch, he rolls his eyes as he is. Um, he seems very clearly annoyed at the entire situation. He's like, I'm sorry, Elagos. He's very, uh, talkative. Yeah, it's not your fault. Just some people, that's just how they are. So he'll be here for a couple of days, so if you make up your mind, feel free. Uh, he will probably sleep, eat, and shit and piss down there. Uh, that don't worry, there's a toilet. Uh, but that's, <laughs> at the moment, he's eating from that too? <laughs> no, I send down a plate every so often. Oh, uh, Larry... Quick question. Are there any other areas of this bar that, like, hidden away that we should know about? Like, the thing in the ball pit that hatched there? Oh, there's a whole bunch of places. Uh, Larry says there's an upstairs, this is downstairs, there's a back, and there's a front. Uh, if you ever want to go somewhere, let me know. If I got it, you names it. Right. All right, then. So you guys go about your day. I uh, assume that Breathweaver uh, tries to talk to the dragon on top, and we will get to we will get to that soon. All of these scenes will be happening pretty much within the same time frame. Wilhelm, um, I assume, is just talking to Clevin at this moment, uh, talking about the oars and. Uh, kind of no. Um, I, I know I know we we kind of talked about this earlier, but there there was the idea I I had about just straight up making a suit of armor for someone, so. I, I kind of figured okay. that, that during, like, this this two-week travel montage, I'd just be doing that. Okay. Yeah, so you, you're currently you're currently crafting in your room, then. Uh, so, all right, so let's just jump into your scene now, Ander. Uh, so, Ander, through these few weeks that you've been spending here, uh, or a few days so far at Larry's Bar, uh, you've just been pretty much going over that uh, that exact same book uh, that you had gotten from, uh, <clears throat> that, that, that you've gotten Praise Journal, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you're looking through it uh, and, and going through, you, you, you notice that Larry has been kind of watching you read through your book the, the entirety of the time. And he asks you, he's like, hey, Ander, uh, you, you, you seem to be reading the same book every single day. Uh, do you just like not have a collection or something or uh, you, you really like this one? Uh, well, a little bit of both, actually. Uh, my collection isn't currently with me right now. It's currently at the Academy. And I kind of like reading this one and finding all the little mistakes that were written in it. Uh, he lo- he looks at the book, which is a uh, which is a cookbook, and he's like, "Uh huh." Well, uh, I mean, you you may not have your your collection of books <laughs> uh, with you, uh, but uh, that's just the benefits of having a flying bar like myself. Uh, if you want, Larry can show you a little bit of the the personal collection if you might want to. Oh, that'd be amazing. Also. I completely forgot that 
the outside of the book was a cookbook. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's been staring at you. He just thinks that you're really excited about cooking. Uh, so, like, L Larry's kind of in on the joke now. So uh, he kind of takes off a, um, a a key ring that he has attached to, like, his hip. And he says, follow me. He, he walks to the back of the bar through a, through a hallway to a, a set of doors. And he goes to a door that's at the far left end of the hallway uh, and takes that key off and promptly unlocks the door. So as soon as he unlocks it, uh, it, it opens up into a room that is uh, quite quaint, yet a little dusty. It's a study, it looks like, of his. Uh, he whistles, and a few candles begin to burn brightly, illuminating the room with a warm glow. Uh, and he says, well, here it is, Larry's good old uh, library. I uh, haven't used it in a while. As you see, he like dusts off a couple of books. He's like, but uh, maybe you could uh, learn some new recipes here. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you. No problem. Oh, thank God. Got him out of my bar. And you see as he walks out of the room, because <laughs> looks like he was getting a little annoyed. He kept sitting there. Uh, so Larry exits the room, and you're just left alone inside of this library now. Um, what are you going to do? I think I'm first going to look at some of the bookshelves and see what each of them has. Sure. So go ahead, roll investigation. Okay. 19 plus 6. So that's a 25. So you roll a 25. <laughs> okay, so you look all over the walls, uh, and you're looking for some very interesting books. So the first one you see uh, happens to be a green uh, leather-bound book. Uh, and it's called The Three Tree, Magical and Non-Magical Usage in the Modern World. Uh, would you like to take a look at that one? I'll, I'll, pick it, I'll pick it out of the bookshelf and take a look-see at it. All right. So as you read through this book, you, uh, you, you learn the following things you're going through. You learn uh, in this world that there are three main schools of power. Uh, power from the gods, which allow mages and sages to cast and weave magic through the heavens. The most popular form... Uh, of magic, it notes, uh, mo mostly used by sorcerers, wizards, paladins, clerics, etc. So, then there is a second form of magic, magic from the world where power is drawn from the surrounding life, uh, such as druid or bards would be the ones that command this. And third and lastly is a power from the self, uh, what they note as key here, uh, and that is usually drawn from by monks or barbarians. And would would soon certain sorcerers fit under that? I'm assuming. Uh, cert, certain sorcerers may uh, draw power from the self, but most often than not, it is power from the heavens. Okay. So after you scan through that book, it takes you like a day or two. You're just reading it through, sitting in the nice comfy chair that uh that Larry has inside of his library. Uh, you see, you're kind of done with this one now, and you see another book uh that happens to be sitting sitting on the uh, shelf. When you kind of seem to have overlooked you likely would have went for this one first knowing you mm -hmm. uh it's a darker book bound in dark leather and it seems fairly nondescript from the ones in the library which is probably why you overlooked it uh but it seems to lull and it seems very interesting as it looks very different from the other ones that surround it so it has an ominous kind of feel to it yeah it's it's an old black tome no words no binding uh and there's the, you don't see anything written on the side of it i'll pick it up and read it I want to know what it is. Okay. Grabbing it from the shelf, you see uh, even the front or the back, there's absolutely no words on it. Uh, and as you open the book, uh, you can see uh, various runes and symbols, most of which you've never seen before. You mostly cannot identify them. Mm -hmm. 
And even with the eyes of the runekeeper, I can't even tell what these are. As you're attempting to use your eyes of the runekeeper to decipher what's written here, you, you notice that your eyes like can no longer decipher this text. In fact, like as you're reading over the book and pouring through its pages, you try to call upon like your magical ability as and it seems as if your like entire connection to your patron has dissipated. Oh. As you have you been reading this book, and then you kind of just like notice that, uh, and I, what what do you do? I'm gonna just gently just close the book and say that was weird. All right. So as you close the book and look up uh, around the just to put it back onto its shelf, you look around the library in confusion as you realize that you are not in the same library that you were before. The library seems changed. It seems larger, broader, more imposing. The walls and the shelves are now a deep mahogany, and they rise several stories tall now. The carpet that's beneath your feet is a mural of a goddess smiling serenely. Uh, if you could roll history. 15 plus 6, 21. Uh, so you roll a, tw a 21, and you notice that the carpet, uh, while it doesn't reveal much, it's Mistra. Uh, the goddess Mistra. It seems awfully torn, and the cloth seems to be rubbed out completely in patches over her face. And as you look further around the room, you smell a great warmth, and look up to see large bones burning in a stone fireplace, crackling in the heat as if divining a prophecy or perhaps casting a curse. On the mantle above, you see extrav an extravagant painting of a beautiful man with sunken dark eyes, reddened around them as if he's been crying. Indeed, you do see, stemming from his tear ducts, two drops of viscous tar-like paint, creating two streams that stop midway down his cheek. He has unkempt black hair and a slight smile. You don't recognize who this is, however. And then you notice uh, what for you is the most interesting change. The books on the shelves all are different. Their bindings are ancient, regal, forbidden. The titles are of gods you've never even heard of. Recipes for mythical potions, the basis of your childhood fairy tales. There are maps of places you were told never existed, landmarks lost to time. You see a tome, the Battle of the Pale Cliffs, fought between two gods nearing the beginning of time. In their wake, an ocean was carved out. You see a book detailing the exact causes and deaths for dozens of gods that you know as just lost gods. And then as you look around at all of these books, a thought enters your head. That this is knowledge you could have never dreamed existed. And as you begin to look around now, you notice the door that you had shut on your way in into Larry's study is cracked open and an eerie black light is crawling out from underneath the cracks. I'm gonna uh, get on my hands and knees and kind of like peek under the door to see what's what's there. Okay, uh, so you peek under the door. I want you to roll me a perception check. 17 plus 19. Okay. You're rolling high today. So you you uh you take a peek like underneath the door and from what you can see, it just looks like uh, an eerie black cosmic darkness, but like a bunch of different lights seem to be like swirling. Uh, but you, you can't really see too much as you're peering underneath the door, but you can get that much. So there's, there's darkness and a bunch of lights coming from outside of the door. Okay, I'm just gonna open the door and see who it is. See who it is. Knock, knock. Uh, so, again, you, you open up the door and you can see there's, like, the, that cosmic darkness, colorful lights in the distance begin swirling and rising. You can see pale beams of light wafting upwards in the distance as if off a smokestack. And the light comes together as it expands, separates and retracts. 
And as you look around, you see it now. Hundreds of doors floating in the nether. All different colors, all the same shape, size, and dimension. You hear nothing for a long time. And as you struggle to take in the cyclical entropy and regeneration cast before you, you feel as if you're watching the beginning of things, the birth of creation, yet as it progresses and progresses, you feel as if it never seems to reach an end point. Rather, it always goes back to its beginning as the doors pop in and out of existence and swirl around. Uh, and now in front of you, instead of this cosmic nothingness, the, all these doors seem to swing open, uh, each opening into what seems to appear to be a different part of a labyrinth. And a voice projects out to you in every open passageway, beckoning you in. I don't know which door to pick. <laughs> there, there are literally hundreds, thousands, millions even, uh, but all of them... All of them are in front of you. You can pick one at random. You can pick one because you like the way the color looks on it, uh, but they're all fairly similar. Uh, I'm just going to close my eyes, point somewhere, open them, and pick that door. Okay. Uh, so you do the... Uh... You do the good approach. So you walk up to that door and you open it in a giant PC when you die. Uh, no, but you so, so you uh, you walk into you you walk into the ether as you as your feet seems to just like find solid purchase on absolutely nothing. As you walk towards uh, one of the doors completely blindly with your hand outstretched to grab its handle. Uh, so you open up that door and you walk through. Uh, I assume you open your eyes at that point, and the walls that surround you uh, seem to be tall and ancient, about 15 feet tall, uh, made from a mineral that is utterly alien. Uh, you take a look around, looking left and right, and you see that there are bends that are sharp and sudden, uh, and pathways that seem to fork off seemingly at random with no purpose behind it. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to see if I can collect a little bit of that stone as a sample to research later. Okay, so the the stone of the wall? Yeah. Okay, so how are you going to attempt to collect that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and Eldritch Blast the wall. Okay, uh, go ahead and attempt to roll for Eldritch Blast. A 2 plus 8, so that's a 10. All right. Uh, so you're you're able to roll that ten, but as you're attempting to cast your Eldritch Blast, uh, remember uh, your your connection to your patron seems to be currently fizzled. And as you attempt to cast it, just like nothing absolutely happens. You just like kind of jut out your hand, and nothing happens. Oh, right. No magic. I'm just gonna keep walking. So you are compelled to move forward now, uh, either by despair or just by <laughs> seeking of whatever can get you out of here. And you begin running, uh, sprinting into this unknown creation as if you're now unable to resist. Uh, specters appear to your left and your right as you're running past these walls, faceless, ethereal beings engrossed in a sense of isolation and horror. And they quietly walk away from the direction that you're currently headed. Some of these specters seem regal. Others seem like adventurers, and some are giant beasts towering above you as you as you uh, brush past their wispy appearance, and others seem to just be the average commoner you may see on the street. So finally, Ander, uh, you see at the end of this pathway you're going to an outletting that seems to lead you into a courtyard of withered grass and skeleton trees. There's no wind here, but if there were, you'd reckon it would be that of a sharp cold that cuts you right to the bone. In the middle of this opening is a young human man. You'd reckon his late 20s. There's an ageless wisdom to him, 
an intellect of spirit that is almost overwhelming. And you see he looks to you and he slightly applauds uh, with like a, like a little golf clap uh, and he motions you to sit next to him. I'll do so. All right. Uh, and as he does, you see this uh, this young man smile and he raises his hands to the sky and he slower, slowly lowers them. And the labyrinth that surrounded you previously begins to fold over itself in a stack, form- forming walls and girders, stacking into small, colorful chunks and shooting into the other sections. The walls rise and rise and begin encasing the courtyard until it is completely engulfed in a cathedral-like structure. You see there are bars behind large stained glass murals of dying gods. Long arches sweep up, and through the ceiling and statues continue to re- reconstruct themselves all through the wounded, ghostly grass. And now you see this man turns to you and he says, Hello, Ander. Are you liking your stay here so far? Uh, Ander, uh, I just kind of give him a blank stare and say, Who are you? Uh, and you see this man, uh, he begins to, uh, he begins to chuckle slightly. He's like, well, I am one who has walked the same path as you. Tell me, Ander, you are seeking something, correct? Yeah, I'm seeking knowledge, seeking all, every bit of knowledge I can get. And you see the, the man smiles at you. He's like, I, uh. I once was one like you, and then I got what I wanted, just as you will eventually. Ander, there is something you must know. The knowledge that you seek, there are certain pieces of information that the gods are withhold from mortals such as yourself, limiting them, lowering the ceiling of your knowledge. And you see that um, he raises his hand again and he causes the dead courtyard that you were sitting in to return to life as the green is, as the grass is now a lustrous green and large spiraling trees coil into the architecture. Uh, and he says, you wish for immortality, correct? I mean, that's step one, yes. (laughs) A wish is a fickle thing. A wondrous thing. I can make you, Ander, a fellow stranger to endings. Your life unmarked by time. And time, well, that would be just a word for you. Ander, if you wish, serve me. And your wish can be used to liberate the knowledge of the gods. Knowledge that should never have been hidden. And he looks at you, staring deep into your soul. And suddenly the courtyard decays into nothingness, and the cathedral cracks as if struck by an earthquake. It shakes and groans as it begins to rapidly age. In one last act of defiance, the central arc screams before it begins to fall. I just had one question. Yes. If you said that the gods did not want mortals to learn this stuff, and but you know this stuff, wouldn't you be technically 
one of the gods who would be want to not have us know this? And he, he smiles at you. He's like, I am no god. Uh, and then as you sit there, Ander, uh, in the wake of your uh, one question you got there, uh, you feel yourself aging and aging. And your bones are weak and weary, like two drunks could rip them apart to earn a wish. Uh, and your skin is saggy and it begins to tear. As the entirety of the cathedral begins to turn into dust as everything that shattered previously is now returning to the nothingness that it once was. And yet the man before you remains as young as ever. And he smiles once before extending his hand. Do you take it? Yes. All right, so you take his hand and you feel a slight burning uh, on your palm. And as you wake up, uh, you are standing uh, in the middle of a room that you had not been in before. Uh, It looks like a training room to you as you stand uh, affixed between two training dummies as Larry is standing on the opposite side of the room. And you see he's kind of, um, he kind of is just like, He's in a pair of reading glasses, Ander, uh, and he's carefully going over a scroll. And, like, you can see on the back of the scroll, there's, like, a huge blue, like, lightning, like, on it, like, a lightning strike on it. And he's just, like, he's licking his fingers to, like, parse through this scroll that is only, like, one page long. Uh, And he's, like, he's, like, looking at it, and he's, like, ah, I got it now. Chain lightning. And you see uh, he kind of just is, like, reading the scroll, and you see he, like, takes one of his hands, and he begins to wave it, and he's like, Shiakazi! And he zaps it uh, right out, and you see the scroll begins to dissipate as Ander, now there's this huge lightning bolt that's headed right towards you, and you see uh, Larry puts down the burning scroll, and he's like, Holy shit! Uh, And what are you going to (laughs) do? I'm going to cast Dispel Magic. All right. So as you cast or, a spell, no, magic, it wouldn't be dispel magic. It'd be counter spell. Counter spell. All right. So as you uh, we begin to weave together counter spell, you hold out your hand that you shook uh, with this being, and as you do, uh, you feel the eyes of the runekeeper uh, in your sockets begin to burn as you're looking at this lightning bolt, almost as if in like a slow mo. And as you raise your hand to cast counter spell, you see, you feel as if like the left eye. Uh, that y- that you would usually look through becomes blind for a moment and your hand collides with the lightning bolt and all of the light in the room completely goes dark uh, as you just hear like this small crash and after this flash of light has appeared and you're able to regain your sight uh, you see that the lightning uh, that was there previously is no more and Larry is kind of laying on the ground and he kind of just like is coughing and he's like <laughs> oh my god oh my god I'm so sorry uh, uh, did I do that? Uh, and you kind of look at your hand now and on it is emblazoned this blue infinity symbol uh, that seems to be some sort of marking as it begins to stop glowing blue and returns to a, a faded black and you see Larry, he's like, no, that's that's my bad. Uh, I didn't see you there, Ander. And Eddie, how did you get into my secret dojo? Uh, I Well, it's kind of a long story. I was in your secret library. A myriad collection of books, by the way. I appreciate it. I opened no this... No problem. <coughs> <coughs> Here, let me help you up first. And you see, th- thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and you see, like, he kind of just, like, accepts your help to stand up. 
And he's like, damn, I'm strong. That lightning was hype. Yeah, but I was, I picked up this old tome, tried reading it with my eye, with these, with my magical eyes. It wouldn't let me read it, so I closed the book, and then about, like, a million doors appeared. I went through one, I went through a little labyrinth, I met some dude, a tree decayed, a tree grew to life, a tree decayed again, and then I was here. And you see Larry's like, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and you see he kind of just, like, stands up. He's like, uh, get out. <laughs> and he kind of points at the door. <laughs> okay, it, no problem. All right away. And you see you walk out and you end up in the, in the library as the door closes behind you, which was a fake kind of door that uh, that is hidden behind one of the bookshelves. So now we're going to head over to the next person, which is going to be Breathweaver. So Breathweaver... As you mentioned, you wanted to talk to the dragon. Uh, so one day, uh, usually on the, I assume like on the first day, you're kind of putzing around and you look over at Larry and you're like, uh, you, you've, you, you want to know more about the dragon. So feel free to ask him. So, uh, how, uh, you have a dragon friend? Yeah, he's my best friend. He carries around the bar for me. I feed him food. We've been best buds ever since he's been born. You mean you've raised him since he was born? Yeah, he turned out great. So how many years has it been since you raised him? Oh, my God. Um, about, uh, about close to 30 years. Man, he grew up fast. Yeah. You want to go... If you want to talk to him, I mean... Well, we're currently flying. It's probably not great. You could head up the chimney. Sure, I would love the chance to talk to a real dragon. I don't think I've ever actually met one. The bar sails through the cloudy sky like a ship through seafoam. Breathweaver, you rise like a mast through a trap door, emerging into the outcropping of a small patio centered on this roof. You see a lawn chair covered with a few old books, an empty protein shake lying overturned on the ground. So you look over uh, th this empty protein shake laden, uh, laden uh, patio, and you see that one of the books that Larry was reading uh, is a book about a young, uh, it's a young adult novel uh, named The Ballad of Warlord Brentley, uh, and it features a shirtless centaur, uh, which is a centaur, but the top half is an orc. Uh, Larry's been marking up the margins extensively, and it seems that Larry seems to come up here for some rest and relaxation. So the patio covers up a majority of the roof, uh, which is made of stone uh, and, is a seeming, and, and seemingly has an original facet of the bar uh, that's been built into the architecture. It's been unwilling to be removed. On the sides of this patio rise a short fence about four feet tall, and it's made of a dense squat metal nearly as wide as it is tall. The left and right siding of the fence rises, uh, to a, rises a bit taller on the other sides, and there is a large space between the top rung of this side and the one below, and in it is the space where Ignitus's claws grasp onto the top of the bar. And you see that Ignitus is now, uh, just notices your presence and he says, Ah, hello, young Breathweaver. How are you? I am doing well, thank you. How about yourself? Doing fine. So, I hear from Larry that you wish to become a dragon. Is that correct? That is why I've come here. 
Yes. Hmm. So, why do you want to be a dragon? The answer is not an easy one for me. Ever since I was a wee whelp, I had a feeling that I was misplaced. But there's also a wish deep down to make a change in the world. And what better place to start than following your heart? Hmm. So... In keeping with that, who are you without your desire to be one of us? I've spent so much time avoiding that question that I don't think I can properly answer you. I've come on this journey to help find that out. Once upon a time, I met a priest to help me in a time of need, and I wish to repay their kindness, or I could help teach others. For I have done some research on history in order to learn more of your kind. Honestly, if this journey is to fail, I hope to learn my path in life from it. Admirable. So you say, to clarify, that if you are to fail to become a dragon, that should your desire not come to fruition, that you will dedicate your life in another aspect for helping others? That would probably be the case. Well, let's see how far we can get you. So as you fly uh, through the sky, uh, you see uh, Ignitus kind of just like looks up and he says, Well, let me tell you a story here, Breathweaver. It's a story of a dragon called Phineas Boralus. Tell me, have you heard of the Northern Lights? I indeed have. Have you heard the story of its origin? Why it was named in such a way? No, I have not. It is named after a famous man, and his name was Phineas Borealis, or Borealis. At least, that was his name after he was cursed. However, this man was actually no man at all, but a great dragon, by the true name of Vinther. He sought to undo his curse by any means necessary. He felt as if this curse rejected him from the heavens, which he once roamed freely. His power was restricted, and he felt lost without it. Yet, on the ground, he made relationships that would last a lifetime, defeated powerful foes, and even saved the world from a great destruction from the hands of a maddened ruler. Though cursed to the ground, his legend earned him these lights, His name will forever be synonymous with the sky. He never found a way to undo his curse, but his deeds brought his legacy to paint the sky with such beauty. So, Breathweaver, what do you believe the moral of this story to be? You can accomplish great things when you want to? 
Yes, co correct. But the true meaning, Breathweaver, is that it doesn't matter what you are, it matters who you are. So with that, let's help you become who you want to be. So he begins to tell you that he wants to practice some uh, some breath weapons with you, and you you two will uh, attempt to do so. So he starts shooting out like thorns into into like the sky that like uh that that fall to the ground. I assume you do some sort of like training montage with Ignitus. So for level six, I got empowered healing, which essentially uh is a divine soul ability, sorcerer ability, uh to use one. I can use one sorcery point to re-roll a heal die of any healing that takes place five feet from me. And then um, the, uh, the spe and then I get two new spells, and I replace the spells. So I replaced Agonizir's Scorcher, which is a fire breath. I already had a fire breath, so I switched it to Lightning Bolt for lightning breath. Uh, and then also, he now has the ability to slow time down for people. So he's now a master of the element of time. And then he also has the ability to create a wall of water. Um, so slowly but surely, he's becoming the a waterbender. Uh, what kind of type is of dra What type of dragon is Ignitus? He's a forest dragon. Um... As you guys go through your training exercises, you spend some time with Ignitus on top of the roof uh, over these few weeks. And as you guys are flying through, you see that you are coming up to a, a, a pass. Uh, and it looks like there are two directions you can fly around. Uh, in front of you, uh, Ignitus sees that there the, a mountain range, which he tells you is named the Gamdwell Bluffs. They come up. He says, you must fly around to the left or to the right. Um, if we are to fly over this bluff, then the altitude would be too severe for everyone inside. Breathweaver, should we go to the left or to the right? You look to your left, and there's a blue sky over a gentle prairie. Mostly dirt, but there's small patches of grass scattered throughout and they're rustled by the wind like a hand through a child's hair. It's calm, peaceful, yet dreadfully boring. Then on the right side of the mountain range is a sloping ravine of desert and undergrowth. Yet you see a crackling, dense storm prelocating around the ravine and throughout it, rising above and completely covering it in totality. Which way should we go? People inside here won't be affected by the lightning, right? We do not know, and he smiles at you. <laughs> Let's find out. Ignitus nods at your decision and heads right down into the ravine. As the air grows dense and cold around you, you feel a rush of power come over you. An aggressive sense of domination, as if you willed to existence a destiny in which you could harness the powers of the elements. Columns of lightning web out from the clouds. The charcoal clouds billow upwards into the bending wind like a smog pulled out of the seaside smokestack. You taste it for a split second. Ash. And then you feel a pulse, like a fetal heartbeat emanating from the storm itself. For a brief moment of fear and wonder overcomes you, with the thought that it isn't a storm, it's something else. Something burning and growing and hungry. Yet the storm vanishes, as you push out through the other side, into a clear ellipsis of cloudless blue, and a, ro and a rolling mural of grassy hills. Emerging fully past the Gamdwell Bluffs, you breathe a sigh of release. 
This endeavor was performed with grace and ease, matched by only Warlord Brentley, Master of Treachery, and you feel an overwhelming sense of destiny as you look down at the book uh, that Larry has tossed to the side. And then Ignitus says to you, Now that was a rush. You guys continue to practice breath weapons for a while, and he says to you, Breathweaver, I want you to climb on my back. I will climb my way onto his back. So you're on his back now, and you're kind of like touching his very wooden scales. Very odd to you. You've never really seen or heard of a dragon like this before. And he says, close your eyes and imagine it is you flying through the sky right now. Breathweaver will close his eyes and take a deep breath. Rills of wind rip through your hair, and the frost of the thin atmosphere drains the ducts of your clothes eyes. Yet you imagine it, that you are the one flying, and you're the one who gravity means nothing to. And Ignitus says to you now, Open your eyes. Now fly! You open your eyes, uh, and by Ignitus's command for you to fly, before even having time to think, Breathweaver, you find yourself for a few split seconds in the air, keeping pace with Ignitus, looking down at the world below with, an as- with a sense of authority. And I want you to roll an Arcana check. Is it dice? Drop. When... So, as you continue to fly, uh, you you notice that no fly spell has been cast on you. Uh, But you continue to fly for another few minutes, and then eventually uh, you you come and land back down onto the patio beside Ignitus. And then Ignitus says to you, Remember, the most important thing isn't what you are, but who you are. So, well, you mentioned in your... uh, in your in your level up to me that you wanted to uh perform some meditation some training and uh perhaps uh br- branch off uh into your into your different types of classes and what you were going to be doing with that level up so you seem to be sequ- like sequestered to your room from what i understand uh from the rest uh, from the rest of the other uh, party members interactions so far and i just want to know what are you doing inside of the room right now i think the first few days he's not really doing that much. It's not like he's overcome with grief, but he's definitely like reevaluating some things and trying to figure out kind of like what the point of all this really is. He's kind of having doubts about what his wish was, what he wants it to be, if he still wants to do it and stuff like that. So he's kind of just been by himself, not really up in the mood to socialize. And then I think like after maybe like two days or so, he's going to start coming out of the room a little bit more okay so are you coming out like during the day with everybody else or are you going to come out during the night like what's the uh how's the rogue going to take into a place here i'm going to come out during the night i would say i don't think he really wants to socialize with the party just yet it still kind of feels like the memory of what happened is very fresh and uh i think first he wants to Request a special item from Clevens, because Owl is now just in his base changeling form. He's kind of been thinking a lot about using his shape-shifting as a crutch, and he kind of realized he's been using all the characters he's come up with as a lens from which he views the world. And he hasn't really thought a lot about who he is without any of that, just who he would be, kind of like with Breathly without the dragon. He wants to figure out who he is when he's just Owl and not any of these characters he's come up with. So he's just normal Owl. He doesn't really want to shape change. 
but he knows his face is kind of off-putting. So he's going to, before he starts training, he wants to put in a special request to Clevin, if you allow it, for like a, a face mask, kind of like a covering that he can use kind of on his nose and lower part of his face, so only a part of it's visible. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you, uh, you you head into the ball pit, uh, and you see that Clevin is... Uh... Clevin is working away in the back with uh, moving around some oars and uh, re- rearranging his stock. And then he uh, kind of looks at you. He's like, oh, hello. How? Welcome to Clevin's. How can I help you? Well, hello. My name is Owl. I was, uh, didn't, wasn't with the party earlier, but I'm with the gang here who stopped by a few days ago. I was hoping, I mean, if you'd be able to do a custom order, I have gold. Oh, I like custom orders. What what do you need? Um, I would like a mask that would be able to cover the lower part of my face so I can kind of uh go out in public and hopefully people won't be too off put about well. Hmm. Well, I I should be able to weave something together for you. Uh yet, yet one question. Now you you're wearing a hat. Um, do you want this to be affixed to a hood? Oh, I'm not wearing the hat. Oh, oh, okay. So, would you like this to be a hood or more of like a, a scarf for your face? Uh, I guess something along the lines of like a handkerchief that I can just wrap around my nose and cover the bottom part of my face or something like that. Hmm. Understood. I can make this for you. Now this this is not this is not difficult for Clevin. It just takes time. I will only require three gold. Oh, that's pretty alright. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's only a piece of a piece of cloth. Clevin likes metal. We will you need a small loan of three gold? <laughs> Fred Weaver <laughs> No, I don't. I don't. Oh wait, I had three gold. <laughs> uh, yeah, I give him three gold. All right, so you give him three gold, and he's like, "It would be done by tomorrow." All right, thank. You. Take your time. We have a few weeks. Uh, and then he, I uh, like nod to him, and then I go back. And then is there like a? I asked for my trading part. Is there kind of like a, uh, like a balcony or something? Um, there's. Not necessarily a balcony, but from what you know, uh, there is a training room uh, that is located in a hatch door, but you know, uh, or at least you heard uh, from a very loud gentleman that someone is down there pretty much living in the training room. So you, I don't know if you want to go there, but... Uh, I guess I will first wants to read books on like martial arts and stuff like that. Because metagaming, he's thinking of becoming more like kind of a monk, or at least what the class entails. Okay. Yeah, so if you wanna if you wanna do that, then you can mosey on over to the library. So yeah. Well he's just gonna do that quickly or whatever to set up this training. Yeah. So you uh you head over to the library and you uh you try to take a look for a couple of books. There are quite a few um there are quite a few martial arts books. There's like the Art of the Fighter, uh, the Barbarian's Rage, and you see that tucked away in a corner, there happens to be uh the, the ways of the monk. That's what you're able to see just on the binding there. Uh, and also, as you enter into the room, you see Ander completely passed out uh, on the uh, on like one of the on like one of the big uh, leather leather seats that's that's in there. 
uh, as he was reading a book and like drool is kind of coming out of his mouth. How to get away with murder? What Andy? What were you reading? <laughs> How to kill a mockingbird for real? <laughs> yup. <laughs> yeah, kill a real. <laughs> um, I'll just take the monk book and then go back into my room. Okay. And read it. So. It, once you actually attempt to grab the the monk book, you see that it actually is kind of stuck there for a moment, and you attempt to um, you attempt to pull it harder, and it actually works kind of like a lever. Uh, and the like a portion of the bookcase kind of slides inwards uh, where you pulled it in, and it leads into this small looking kind of room. Uh, I'll go in. So inside of this room, as people who are in the podcast, obviously not not a at this point, this is the smaller dojo uh, with training dummies that Larry happens to have uh, set up the previous day. Um, so, Aul, you're able to see that in this dojo there is a, a large mirror affixed to the back wall. There are a couple of training dummies uh, that Larry uh, Larry has set up, uh, and you're able to also see that there is um, like th- there are a-, a couple of like monkish weapons that are lined up against the wall. Uh, throwing weapons, uh, certain types of daggers, uh, some quarterstaffs, and this looks like it would be the perfect place for you to train if you wanted to. All right, I will start training here. All right, so you, uh, so I want you actually to flavor it. So like, there's a couple of test dummies, there's a couple of monk weapons. I mean, what do you wanna, what do you wanna try and do? Are you gonna grab that rogue level first or that monk level first? Uh. I feel like the rogue kind of came from my actions in the arc. Like I feel like that was where I okay. spent some time. And then this is me spending some time. So I guess what kind of dummies are there? Uh they, like what are they like? They're like uh there are a couple of dummies. Most of them kind of look like orcs. Elgos is there. <laughs> the, not that dummy. Uh but there's a couple there are a couple of orcs there. They kind of look like they're made out of stone. Uh there's also some wooden dummies that kind of look like practice target dummies up against the wall as well. Um, and there's like one of those like weird like martial arts thing with the poles on it that keeps sticking out. A wooden dummy. Yeah, a, a, oh yeah, is that actually what it's called? A wooden dummy. I, I mean, I think that's a slang for it. Okay, a wooden dummy is there as well. Uh, I will train on the wooden dummy, like the thing they use on like Wing Chun. Yeah, 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 yeah that that thing. It's like got the poles sticking out of it. It kind of rotates. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll like, read through the book, and we'll probably share, like, diagrams and stuff of, like, forms and techniques to train and stuff and practice, guys. And I was just going to be, like, every night when people go to bed, he's going to train and come back there and train and just kind of all night grind at it. Yeah, there are, there are definitely different types of forms in there. There's a bunch of different types of strikes uh, that are listed out. And as you begin to train through, you, you, you pretty much got the basics down at this point. And then they sort of... Uh, start to explain different types of like methods of using your body's energy to send attacks through but that's the part that you're having a little bit of trouble with uh when you're attempting to fully complete the forms and as you keep coming back day after day you've gotten like all the regular punches down you've pretty much are able to to strike quite deftly but you're unable to get the energy that this book is describing and then over the course of the the two weeks one night uh larry happens to come in uh, to the dojo um, by, by himself. It looks like he's attempting to train. He's kind of got like some shorts on and like a towel around his neck. And he's like, oh. Drinking a protein shake. Yeah, he's got a huge protein shake. Uh, he's got his hair tied up. Um, so he, he kind of comes into the room and he's like, what are, you, 
Does everybody just have free access to my dojo? What? First it was Ander. I don't know how he got in. How did you get in here? Wait, do I not have privacy? No. Elgo says as he's behind Larry. <laughs> That's, you just have like, you're just sitting with his protein shake, making another shake. <laughs> Elgos was actually the wooden dummy and I just kept punching him and he was like, ow, and I didn't. <laughs> I wanted to mention this, but it's like, I couldn't find a good place to cut in. Uh, I don't mean to like step on uh, Owl's level up, but I feel like Elgos would much rather train with Owl than he would with Douchey Paladin. Yeah, I was I was thinking that I was gonna have you find this dojo too, but like you see, you could come yeah, in. Yeah, you see, you, you, you see, Larry comes in and he's like, "Do I not have any privacy?" Then Elegos just comes in in the same trainer shorts with the protein shake, <laughs> and he's just like, "Oh, you guys are here for like the the, the nightly the nightly spar." Well, are, oh, like, are, are you guys my five o'clock? <laughs> Larry's just like, "Wait, those shakes coming to vanilla? <laughs> where where did you get that?" <laughs> uh, I uh, made it upstairs. But <laughs> you, yeah, you, was... you just you leave the uh, the ninja juicer just like out on the counter. I'm not gonna not use it. <sighs> Do you think Elagos would have found like followed Owl to see how he was doing and then seen him go into this room? That's how you found out about it. Oh uh, yeah, I'd say that's that's likely. Andrew's just chilling on the chair, still absolutely passed out every night. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah drinking five protein shakes <laughs> for people are reading, and this guy's so tired. <laughs> oh, God, he's just massive. Uh, so you co he comes on, and he's like, all right. Ella goes, you do whatever you need to do. I I'm going to practice on the wooden dummy. Um, and you see um, he kind of moves over to you, Ella, and he's like, so you you've been hitting this? Because I've been noticing a couple of more dents in it. Than I that I haven't been making. That's still me, Larry. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I didn't know this was. Well, I guess I, I kind of knew it was private, just because it required a secret book to be pulled to get in here. But I realized that I want to develop who I am as a person more, and I thought maybe developing my strength and my technique and stuff like that maybe would help me come to who I actually am as a, and who I was supposed to be. I don't know. You ever feel like I just spent so much of my life hiding in the shadows is how I was raised. And it seems like that's all I am right now. And I just feel like I need to go somewhere new. I'm not sure how to get there. Have you ever had that feeling like you have more in common with who you were than who you're going to be? That's how I feel right now. Uh, and Larry just stone face looks at you and he's like, I, uh, I absolutely do. Uh, and then he kind of just like shrugs for a second. He's like, okay. Yeah, that hit close to home. Uh, but. <laughs> Chug shake. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I understand. All right. So if you're trying to go down the, the, the monkish path, uh, let me let me see what you got. Uh, take a couple of shots. On you or the on, on the dummy? Honestly, you could do either. I'll help you spar out it out if you want. Oh, on Elagos, he is here. I am here. We could beat up Elagos. Uh, I'll I, I'll take up like one of like the the uh, padded shields that are against the wall. All right. So hit that dummy. All right. This is I'm still new at this. I'm usually just slash ankles so this is a bit more 
refined technique. So I'll start trying to show what I learned from the book and been practicing on the dummy out there, Elegos. Just hit the bag, dummy. <laughs> All right, I started doing the techniques like the martial arts I've been learning. Okay. Did I roll? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, attempt to roll. See see how well right. you can smack them. So I'll be doing unarmed attacks now. Oh, I got a 25. Oh, boy. That hits. Flavor that. Um, It's just so fast. The Algos has never really seen me hit that fast, so I think he was probably caught off guard. I'm just, like, throwing different palm strikes at all these different angles, kind of, like, sliding under where his shield is and, like, anticipating where he's going to be and just able to completely bypass it. Wait, just... the, the point... I'm holding up the padded shield. You're supposed to hit the shield. That's the whole point. <laughs> and you see Larry kind of looks at you and he's like, no, you got you got a pretty good form. Uh, so, um, I don't know if you're at this part yet, but have you been able to to unlock a flurry first? I don't think I have that yet. Uh, it would be, it would be, uh... I think I'm only one level. Yeah, if you're only one level in Monk, you don't have... No, I did one into Rogue, which is basically what I learned during the arc, and then one into Monk. All right. Just my training. I'm still struggling a bit with the more advanced stuff. I think it's been a bit of a challenge to transition from... I mean, lurking in the shadows and avoiding any fight to being thrown into one. But I think once the transition becomes a little bit more clear, I think I'll hopefully in time get it. But do you have any tips, Larry? Well, yeah, I actually do. So when I first started to train as a monk... And he starts punching Elegos yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> he comes over to Elegos. He's like, I had the same thing. I, uh, I wasn't always a monk. But what you're doing is a simple strike, and you're thinking about it like it's a tool, like you were using before, uh, like your daggers. But this being a monk is a little bit more different than that. You should think less of the actual tool doing the work for you, and then think as if it's your body and your energy that you're throwing into something. That'll help you burst through the next step. And then you see he uh, t turns towards Elagos in the shield, and you see like his fist kind of like glows for a second, and then he punches once. Fuck! Hit the shield! Come on! Well, you're able to see like very quickly. He did not only punch once; he punched three times in the the spawn of about two seconds. And like as soon as those blows all hit at the same time, uh, Elagos is pushed back five feet, and he says. The energy that you have inside of yourself can be used to enhance the physical portions that you've already seen to have gotten down to a pat. And that's the next step. All right. I didn't, I didn't take you to be uh, an expert in the monkly arts, Larry. No, I don't mean that as any offense. Oh, it's, it's no problem. I'm fairly comfortable with, uh, with who I am and what people perceive me to be. But uh, that's mostly due to uh, me also being a monk so you know it happens and then you see he puts his protein shake down and then he picks up a smaller looking uh drinking apparatus and he uh drinks a little bit out of that and you you can smell like th this very strong alcohol on it and then he goes into like try and hit elegos again and as he does oh, you no. see like his strikes like hit at completely different angles oh, like no. from the bottom from the top and then straight all hitting at the same time as he's able to just like quickly like shuffle in between 
uh, the shield and just like come all the way back to you within the same movement as Elagos is pushed back another 10 feet. And he's like, there's a bunch of different ways to be in a monk. This one's mine. <laughs> and you see he's, he's, a drunk, he's a drunken master. And then uh, as he does that, I, I thank him. And I grab one of the like practice shields and I look at Elagos and say, well, I guess it's your turn now. Uh, you know what? Here. Um, so, Elgos takes, like, some of, like, the glasses that have been discarded and, like, sets them up on, like, small tables behind him. And he's like, here, for mine, try to hit the things behind me. Alright, I try to run past him and hit the, uh, punch the, the glass or anything. I'm gonna try to intercept him. Roll that requisite roll. I think it's... Is it a, a straight athletics? Uh, you tell me. All right, it is. Do I roll anything? Yep, you're going to try and roll athletics to get past him. Oh, no. Got a minus two. I got a, a zero. I got Jeez. a roll of two. I got a minus two. I got a so, nine. So you try to get ba- you try to get past him, and he just, like, bashes you with the shield and pushes you into the ground. How do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> you good? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was gonna run, but this time attempt to like dive, almost like do a forward roll underneath the shield to see if I can get around that way. All right. So both of you roll requisite athletics checks. All right, athletics. Acrobatics, athletics. Uh, you can try acrobatics. <laughs> I got a nineteen. I got a twenty-three. Uh, Damn. You see, like as you do, like this incredible <laughs> roll, like you're just like. You're, you're like Don fan, like the Pokemon movie. You're like going right in. He just like slams. I get under, but he just grabs my foot and throws me behind. <laughs> he just <laughs> he just throws. Right me as back. I'm about to grab the glass, he grabs me by the ankle and throws me back against the other wall. <laughs> Larry dodges <laughs> out of the way as he like kind of goes like completely onto the ground. <sighs> you good? Oh, okay. uh, not as good as before. Yeah, okay. So you guys start practicing. Uh, you guys keep doing this def- deflecting of the shield technique. Uh, you keep practicing empowering your strikes with key. Uh, Larry keeps on beating up uh, anyone who has a shield and his wooden dummy as the three of you bool around inside this uh, th- this training room uh, that is separate from the other one. As the like the night kind of grows late, like the uh, sun's almost we can't really see it, but something begins to rise, and we're kind of like hours and hours this far, and we're both just really tired. I will just kind of look to Elgos, and he says, so what did you, he's like sitting on the wall, he's like, what did you mean when you said you're sorry you couldn't protect Amina? Hmm? Oh, uh, it's, uh, it's not important. I mean, I wouldn't blame yourself. I mean, it's what I did that centered down this path. <sighs> well, the blame's on anyone, it's not on me, so. Well, I, I don't. I appreciate you trying to take the high road on this, but I don't think you get to shoulder everything. Uh, that night when Cass came to the Chillin' Dragon, I don't know. I guess I thought we'd have more time. I asked her to spy on Cass. I guess she followed him to the tower, and then. Well, you know the rest. Yeah, well, that's news to me. That's <laughs> that's uh, 
honestly don't entirely know what to say, but I know that what happened, none of us wanted to happen. I know that, I don't know, what you, it was not, I think you know, you know that, it was, I shouldn't have given her my hat, and probably shouldn't have hired her to spy. You can, Easy to say, look at that. I, I get that probably not my biggest fan right now, but uh, you, I'm not asking you to forgive me. I'm just saying, just know that what I said at the grave, I meant it. I don't want to bury anyone else because I couldn't do my job. I, I know, I know, and I feel the same way. And... I'm not, I'm a little disappointed, but I'm not angry. Really, the only two people that we each have to forgive is ourselves, and I'm still struggling to deal with that elegance. Yeah, well, you're not the only one. I, and I don't know. I just, I've seen a lot of people die in my 20 years on this planet. I've seen a lot of death, and where I came from, it was really just became a struggle to survive and when I heard about this place like a land of wishes I thought maybe it would be different here but it seems like wherever you go it's just death has a way of following so. I feel like at this point Elagos is probably having war flashbacks from what I was talking about probably <laughs> so that's how you guys are going to handle handle into your level up so you got your extra level in rogue um and you got your level in monk. Um, what is what does it do? Um, so going into fifth level for rogue, my sneak attack, which I'm pretty sure I've forgotten I had for a long time, that the damage bumps up, so I'll have to start using that more to three d six. I also got uncanny dodge, so basically it just gives me another action, like thing I can do for a bonus action or a reaction. So if I get hit, I can use my reaction to half the damage. And then for monk. Um, I get martial arts. Uh, basically, I can use dexterity on my attacks and damage. My unarmed strike, like the normal unarmed strike, is stronger than a normal person. Uh, and I basically get some more stuff to do extra attacks and stuff like that. Or like a bonus action to use another attack. I feel like that's mostly it. Oh, and my AC is boosted because I get a monk thing called unarmored defense. So my Basically, while I'm wearing no armor, and I've taken off my armor at this point, my uh, AC is stronger, higher, whatever. That's pretty much it. Okay. And then uh, what about you, Elagos? Where are you getting from this level up? All right. So uh, my health pool went up a lot, which was nice. Uh, I got extra attack at level 5, so whenever I make an attack action, I get an extra... I get to strike twice. And I also got Aura of Protection. Uh, starting at 6th level, uh, whenever you or a friend or creature within 10 feet must make a saving throw. Creature gains bonus to the saving throw equal to your Charisma modifier, which currently is 2. I must be conscious to do this. Uh, so I, I can't just like be lying on the floor uh, in a daze and stick my shield up, unfortunately. <laughs> I also gained uh, some spell slots, so... Um, for first level, I had Heroism, I got rid of it. So now I have uh, Cure Wounds, Searing Smite, and Compelled Duel. 
And for second level, well, I have my Hairless Rebuke that I get uh, once a day from Race. I also, I took Hold Person and uh, Zone of Truth. Oh, no. Andrew's scared. <laughs> Andrew, did you kill that guy? Uh... Zone of Truth! <laughs> yes. <laughs> I killed them all. Every last one of them. The men, not just the men, but the women and the children. Oh, God. <laughs> and I slaughtered them like animals. Gutted them like a pig. Alright. Is that, is that it? I think that's it. I think so. Yeah. The, the Inquisition of Ander is near. Uh, but now, finally, we are on to the last person, uh, which is Wilhelm. Vin desperately trying to tie in that one fighter back into the storyline. No. Uh, so, Wilhelm, over the course of this, uh, this period of time... Oh, sorry. Before I even get back to you, uh, you go back the next day and you see that Clevin has weaved for you this very nice, like, bandana slash mask that has, like, a, oh, afflixes. Yeah. Uh, that has, a uh, like, places to affix onto your face and, like, a uh, button together on the back. Uh, and it's just a very nice-looking, um, like, purple and black bandana. It says damaged on the forehead. Yeah, it says damaged on the floor. Yeah, but no, it's uh, it covers it covers <laughs> a majority of your face, but like it, it just is like a a very nice design. Um, it looks as if like um, th- there's a couple of like uh, like square like square like diamondish looking accents in purple. Uh, there it, it's it's woven from like a black cloth that you're not entirely um, uh, it feels like cotton to you. Uh, but it's it seems like it's it's very well made and you can breathe very easily through it. Nice mm-hmm. Gore-Tex. But uh, do I look at Clevin and Clevin just looks at me and says, here's to not looking at you, kid. Yeah, pretty much. As I cover my face up. But uh, kind of segueing to Wilhelm's thing, I was actually going to go over to Wilhelm kind of once he feels more comfortable talking to people again. And uh, I'm going to knock on Wilhelm's door. Yeah, hello? Uh, hey, Wilhelm, it's, uh, it's Al. Uh, I just had a, a request. I was hoping maybe you could make something for me. Uh, well, what, what what do you need? Can I come in? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure the, the door is open. Go ahead. It would be closed. It's closed and it's locked. Can you please unlock it? All right, shit. Hold on. I I I, th- I thought they left door unlocked. All right. You see, like you he opens up the door. Villa's just super sweaty. The entire room is like incredibly hot. The room is like ridiculously hot due to the forge that he has inside of the room. He's completely. You've, I assume you've doffed your armor just due to the heat. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like he's just in a wife beater. See a magazine overturned on his bed. <laughs> goblin uh, monthly. So I'm actually going. <laughs> goblin monthly. Play goblin. <laughs> it's the goblin illustrated swimsuit. <laughs> <laughs> he bought an underhand deal with Clevin. That's why he asked for the forty gold. He saw it in the back. He's like, hey, uh, about that. About that nice-looking magazine you have back there. I I love that as this has gone on, it, it, it the meme has just developed that like Wilhelm is ba- is more or less like a goblin fetish. That was from the beginning. <laughs> that was episode oh, one, I know. dude. I know. I think it's funny that like if anything, it's developed that Wilhelm's going along with it more. <laughs> oh no! I, I, oh, oh no! I think it's funny as shit. But uh, so I was actually going to kind of like sit on the bed next to where the forge is and just pull out his monk book. And he's going to flip to a, a page where it goes into specialty monk weapons of different regions of the world. And I actually found one that's indigenous to like his kind of small island that he grew up on. 
It's called a Chris, which is based on a real weapon called a Chris, spelled K-R-I-S. Uh, it's kind of like an Indonesian weapon, but for the sake of this uh, story, it's not from Indonesia. It's from where Raul is from. And uh, he kind of shows you the diagram. It's kind of like a dagger with a kind of a bendy blade, like a kind of swervy. And uh, it's like, uh, Wilhelm, do you think you'd be able to make something like this or make this weapon? I can give you gold for any materials you that would That looks like it... a sex toy. <laughs> That's no. why I thought he'd be able to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Out of character, the reason I may be making, asking Phil to make this is because we have a friend named Chris who's in the, from the line I was in. Chris. <laughs> and then Jasper. I may, I may be doing it to honor our friend Chris. Uh, well, eh, I mean... I'll admit I've never had to make it. what is basically dagger with, like, weekly blade, but, like... It should not be hard to do. Like, making making daggers is not really hard. It's just, like, getting the wiggles right. But, like, that shouldn't be an issue. <laughs> getting the wiggles right. That's that's right. the name of this episode. Getting the wiggles right. All right. There it is. All right. So, you show him that, Chris, uh, and you're able to... Uh, so, Wilhelm, you, you look at the design. Uh, you'll, you'll need... Uh, well, whatever metal you want to craft it from, you can buy or from Clevin. Um, and you can use Aul's wallet for that. So we won't have you do any exchange of hands. You just pretty much <clears throat> buy it and act as if you have the money. Uh, but you you should be able to do this, I think, with your or like the Divine Forge ability, correct? Yeah, because Artisan's Blessing, I literally just need... Actually, wait a minute. I think you could just do it with gold. Well, one, I can just do it with gold. Two, then what would I be able to just use artisan artisan's blessing on the dagger that Owl already has and just make that into a Chris? You could. That would work. I'll just, I'll just fucking do that. Seems a little seems like you're slacking off a little bit. I guess you won't know. Oh my god. Alright. So Owl, <laughs> are you gonna give give him your dagger? If he can make a Chris is a pretty long weapon. Like it's somewhere it's Slightly longer than a dagger. Right, so Tyler, if you feel mechanic, like mechanically, is it like a dagger or a short sword? I think it's gonna be like a dagger, but it. All right. Flavor-wise, it's definitely longer than. Okay. Um. Make it from scratch. Okay. All right. Yeah. So... Wilhelm takes my dagger, botches it completely, then has, then makes a new. You see, one. he just takes a hammer to the side of the dagger and like puts dents in it, look like waves, and he's just like, "There you go, <laughs> wavy blade." Are are these uh, sufficient wiggles? <laughs> Owl just shakes his head. I don't want that shit. Eh. Hmm. All right, I'll actually make it. I feel like while this is happening, uh, Elagos comes by the room and is like, "Hey, Wilhelm, are you done with my armor?" And then he just sees like Wilhelm shirtless, the magazine, and like feels the heat of the room. It's like, "I will come back later." <laughs> and your armor's completely wiggled now. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so. Wilhelm, you have a couple of things to do. I think you've been requested to make armor, uh, and a new wait, a new new armor and fix the shield for Elagos. Um, yep. You've been requested to make a Chris, uh, and then whatever else you wanted to make, uh, you can go ahead and make them. So I just want you to flavor however you want to do that, and then we'll dip into your level up, and we'll and then we'll uh, we'll get to it. But you you have a lot of requests waiting, so I want you to handle them. Real quick, would you be willing to do mine for exposure? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy exposure bucks no um i mean 
How much would like in terms of raw materials for the Chris? How much would that cost? What are you gonna build it with? Uh, the most expensive thing you have. The nice. I want a nice. adamantine. An adamantine. Cream. I need the most expensive metal you have. No, that's too expensive. Uh, okay. So I guess at this point, I'll take Owl with me to the ball pit. Like, all right, Owl. Yeah, what What would you like the Chris to be made out of? Like. And then I just show him the options that uh, Clevin has between brass, bronze, copper, steel, silver, electrum, and potentially gold. <laughs> Actually, Vin, in theory, because Tyler, I will never spend the thousand gold he got, correct? It, it did not. Would I be able to make Owl a platinum, Chris? You can make him an adamantine, Chris, too. But you only need one pound. <laughs> oh, what fuck. Would, what, would, what would the stats of an adamantine, Chris, look like? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. You never told me what, how the ore would work for making weapons. Oh yeah, I totally have that written down. Uh, you, yeah, you can you can make it, but it'll get adamantine is the only one that's special. So you'll get something special if you do it. Uh, I will tell you what that is later. Yeah, but you, if you want, you could spend seven hundred gold to get one pound of adamantium. Again, I look at I will like under what would you like to make? I will buy the adamantium. Uh, so you can buy the adamantium for 700 gold. Alright, Wilhelm, the, goes up, he goes up to the forge, he makes the dagger. I fucked up your adamantium, do you have any more owl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, eh, I, I'm sorry, eh, there is no more as, 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 um, Wilhelm is just, like, pocketing the adamantium, no. Um, he just, he just does it, like, Vin, do you want me to roll for it, or? Uh, no, you, you're able to do it with your feature. Uh, so, you craft an adamantium chris this blade is quite possibly to date the nicest thing you've made it wiggles in such a way that it, it's actually mesmerizing it looks like a damascus blade it's like silverish blue and you it's weighted perfectly and it is uh every edge of it is complete is 100 like as sharp as it could be and you hand it over to to Aul, and this is Aul. You, you kind of grasp it this is quite this is one of the nicest blades you've ever well you've ever wielded uh, Everwell. Uh, Everwell did. Well, I know material good shouldn't make me feel better, Wilhelm, but uh, honestly, after everything that's happened, I, this is a really nice dagger, actually. Thank you. I feel pretty good. So about that armor. All right, so I, I saw at this point, Elios is like walking into the room as I'm handing out the um, adamantium, Chris. I heard you do commissions. Yeah, I was, I, I mean, Illegals uh, to, to be straight up. I, already, I was already planning on like just straight up making you a suit of armor, like outside of like repairing your old one. So, oh, well, that works out. Cool. All right, uh, uh, Vin. In terms of raw materials, what do I need to repair the shield? Uh, to repair his shield, um, I'd assume that your your shield was was golden, right, Illegals? I mean, it probably was not made out of gold because that would be a dumb idea. Yeah, it would be really dumb. Uh, I assume bronze or brass? Uh, probably steel, to be honest. All right, yeah, Those so to, to replace that, uh, to, to fix that, uh, Harris, you're going to need 2.5 pounds of steel ore. I take Elagos to Clevin's, like, all right, well, I'm going to need the, uh, about two and a half pounds worth of steel ore, so, like, if you could pay for that, that would be greatly appreciated. Twelve gold. All right. Alright, he hands over the seal. Alright, so, take the steel ore, go back up to the forge, hammer away at the shield, make it a, a little less dented. Uh, when it's done, I just hand it back the shield. But how wiggly is it? 
it would be bad for a shield like this to be wiggly. So there are no wiggles in this shield. That was a test, and you passed. Oh, what, the, what did you want me to make you like weird wave? You should, I mean, I'd, I'd fucking do it. <laughs> but like... No, no, no. All Elegos knows is that Will asked for a dagger and got back something wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now that it's a Chris, he just saw it, he's like, uh-huh. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm at my armor. <laughs> at, at this point, Wilhelm kind of more or less just gets to work on the uh, suit of splint armor that he was like planning to make for Elagos. So he does it. So you're able to, over the course of a few days, uh, fix up his splint armor uh, with, with, with uh, enough steel that will will fix it. Uh, we've I mean, the, the, the thing is, Vin, before Plombo had uh, a chain shirt, and then splits kind of a different job. Oh, but so like, you're making completely. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, well, like I like I said, I I, I kind of mentioned mentioned this to you in DMs before we were recording this, but I was just gonna straight up make Elagos a new set of armor. And there you go. You gonna make it out of steel? Yep. All right. So yeah, you're able to um, over the course of a few days set uh, like completely craft a a new set of of uh, of the armor that you want to make from completely made from the steel ore that you purchased. Uh, uh, for him, so you're able to get that set of armor for him. It's all set. Alright, so when I'm done, um, I tracked down wherever, wherever Elagos in, in, I was like, alright, Elagos, uh, I have something to, like, like bit. Your, your armor's ready to go. I didn't feel like bringing it down here. Nice, I'll give you a shout-out on my Insta. <laughs> what is this? What is this Insta of which you speak of? <laughs> it's actually Dinsta, because he's a paladin. Oh my god. Add me, it's at Chillin' Dragon. <laughs> I have to do this now. All right. All right, so I take out Elagos up to Wilhelm's, I guess, impromptu forge. And then there's there's just a set of steel split armors. Like, well, Elagos, I made you a set of armor. Nice. Yeah, eat these splint armor. I'm not sure if you've, if you've ever worn it before, but go apeshit. Do you want to describe it? Because I don't know what that looks like. Hmm. It, it looks like a, it's like, you know what a coat of plates is? Yeah. It's like that. Huh. Oh, this looks, uh, thick. It's like if someone took a bunch of really oversized dog tags and, like, taped them to armor. Sort of. That That is a way to interpret it. There's a dog up boy now. <laughs> All right, yeah. So you get outfitted in a nice new set of steel, uh, steel, uh, splint armor. Neato. Whoopee. All right. So, is there anything else that you want to craft for yourself, Wilhelm? Or, ah, uh, to be quite frank, I don't know. I didn't think that far ahead. Okay. Uh, well, the armor that you're currently wearing, you did buy that cape. If you want, you can afflict. You can like affix the cape to the uh, to the piece of armor that you're wearing, if you'd like. If if that is an option, then yeah, I'll I'll affix the um. Uh, the what the hell cinder cloak to my uh, chain mail yeah because then you can have like essentially like cinder chain mail uh they kind of become the same item uh in terms of how i'm setting it up so you're able to do that as well for yourself and really to end it all off here with you Wilhelm, you're you seem pretty decently excited you you've you, you saw the invitation uh that is to this seemingly like emporium of like the mines uh, of craftsmen, tradesmen, of any sort of inventor, and y over the course of these two weeks, you've been you've been taking jobs from everyone in the party. You fixed up you fixed up shields. You've made a very nice Chris. Uh, you've made uh, you've even like a, a, a attached a magical item to like a normal piece of chainmail. Uh, you, you've really 
tested yourself with the powers that you've gained over like over the experience that you've had and this time alone that you've had yourself in the forge really just allows you to really hone in on and remember what it is that you used to do before you became an adventurer and before you came to this place so what i want to know is, is over the course of like foraging what 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 benefits do you gain from your level up as you continue to become more of a forge domain cleric uh all right so at level five the big thing that i get is um one of the features of ch of ch channel divinity for uh, clerics by default is turn undead which basically i present my holy symbol and undead make a save if they fail they run away now level five if I have destroy undead, which means if I, if I confront certain weaker undead, they'll just die. So if, like, the party's menaced by, like, I don't know, 20 zombies, I presume a holy, holy shield, more or less shout, be gone, thought, they can explode. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, that's more or less how it works. Alright. Uh, at 6th level, I gain the ability to use channel divinity more than once a day. Um, and as a part of cleric domain, or fuck, Forge domain. I think it's called Heart of the Forge? No, Soul of the Forge. So, basically what this entails is that I now just gain resistance to fire damage, and while wearing heavy armor, I, I just have a plus one to my EC, so I think now it's like an 18. 19, actually. Ooh. Uh, another big boon is that, by virtue of hitting 5th level, um, I've gained access to 3rd uh, level spells. So, as far as the spells that I took, or I just acquired by just being a Forge Domain Cleric, uh, there's protection from, from energy, which I think I just declare a damage type, and then I, I can give one creature resistance to that damage type, whether it be acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder. Um, I have elemental weapon, which I touch a, a non-magical weapon, and that weapon uh, gains plus one to attack rolls and deals 1d4 of that damage type. The damage types in question are I can augment to a weapon are acid cold fire lightning thunder and then on top of that um i also picked up mass healing word and spirit guardians because they're fun spells all right so y everyone seems to have had their personal experience while retzela has been sleeping in the in the uh, training room downstairs uh and over the course of the two weeks you see uh you all have gone on your separate journeys. You've all talked to each other. It seems like everyone's gotten a lot stronger than before. And you then, closer to the ends of those two weeks, you're about a day away from the date that's been set on the piece of paper that uh, you have received that you got off of Cass's corpse. Uh, and you see off in the distance as Larry continues to, uh, to give uh, Ignitus instructions, a large, large castle, uh, a massive estate. Uh, and outside of that estate, you see, uh, like like a ridiculous amount like almost a legion of, of boats of airships of of trucks of just like like just carriages all all set up around this this estate that you that one would even say is the size of a, of a small city and this is the location where you are all headed to now uh the headquarters of uh vancor for enterprises thanks for listening to this episode of good job adventures if you like what you just heard, be sure to let us know by rating the podcast on your preferred listening platform. For questions about the cast, business inquiries, or if it hurts what I do this, contact us at goodjobadventures at gmail.com. For everything else, follow us on Twitter at GJ Adventures. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.